It's time to bed out. Welcome to Veg Out, where we're embracing plant-based adventures. I'm Adrian, and on this show we chat about everything food, family, and fun. I'm a scratch cooking wife and mother of two who loves exploring in the kitchen, and I'm here to share ways to make healthy food, especially plants, delicious and sometimes adventurous for your entire family. This podcast is brought to you by ProFit Family Wellness, faith-based nutrition, and lifestyle coaching that helps families eat well, move more, and be fit for life. Visit us online at www.profitfamilywellness.com. On this episode, we are attacking, drum roll please, (laughs) the Vegan 15. How plant-based eating can support weight loss, but also weight gain. Before we jump into today's topic, um, I'm recording this episode in September of 2020, and our kids have just gone back to school, and I just wanted to take a moment and pause to just give a huge, huge, huge shout out to all of our teachers, educators, administrators, and support staff who are doing so much to make this difficult time of virtual learning, virtual teaching, hybrid teaching, whatever style is going on right now in the midst of COVID, the very best that it can be for our kids. Now, in the Edge household, we are blessed to have some great teachers this year. I mean, my my kids have had wonderful teachers throughout their entire education experience, so we are extremely blessed with that. But um, this year especially, their teachers are doing a lot to make sure that they are staying connected, that, that they're actually thriving this year. And so I just, you know, I know it's hard, and I know that teaching is already a thankless job, but especially this year, there's so many frustrations that can come out. And I just want any teacher, any educator, any administrator, anyone that's working in the education system, regardless what age or level, whether it be pre-K or daycare or college, graduate, post-grad, whatever capacity of education you're in, thank you, thank you, thank you, and God bless you. So, um, so let's jump in. Okay. Um, this week I wanted to address something that has truly been a mountain for me for the past couple of years. Um, specifically since I've been, my family and I have been plant-based and that is weight loss (laughs) and more importantly, again, weight loss on a plant-based diet. And so I titled this episode, the vegan 15, because it reminded me of the term or the, the phenomenon, I guess, of the freshman 15, where once a student goes off to college that first year, their freshman year, oftentimes within that first semester, they gain on average 15 to 20 pounds because they're getting used to this new lifestyle. They have this newfound freedom. They can eat whatever they want, whenever they want. Nobody's giving them this prescribed menu or serving them specific, um, you know, portions or anything like that, they are on their own and they have to determine what that looks like for them. And so when someone approaches a vegan lifestyle or for us a plant-based lifestyle, that oftentimes is the danger is that now that they, you know, maybe feel overly restricted, so they feel like they have to, you know, eat 
all this food to compensate, or they feel like, wow, I have all this freedom to eat these amazing things. Let me eat as much of it as I want to. And I'm going to share with you how those two mindsets really in combination contributed to um, a great deal of weight gain for me in a time when I already was having weight gain and it was kind of, you know, working against me. And now I'm in a season where I feel like the weight is finally coming off, but it's not because, um, because I'm necessarily directly pursuing weight loss. I'm paying more attention to the habits that will then contribute to weight loss. And I'll kind of break that down a little bit. So we have to remember, like when I, when I, when I talk about plant-based eating from my perspective, from my family's perspective, we transitioned for health-related reasons. And it sounds terrible to say it wasn't for ethical reasons because it sounds like we don't, you know, we don't care about the ethical piece of it. But for us, that's not the primary focus. We understand that people are going to do things for different reasons. For us and for our household, it was because uh, my husband's cholesterol. He had genetically high cholesterol. And in his early 30s, the doctor was going to prescribe medication that he would have to take for the rest of his life. And we felt like, no, we're just starting life. We don't want to start that with a bottle, start that with a prescription that we're going to have to take for the rest of our lives. So that was one reason. Another reason that we transitioned was because of the impact that dairy had on my son's breathing. He uh, gets these I would say colds, but they're more more of kind of bronchial infections when the weather changes. And so when we were consuming dairy, it would it would exacerbate those issues. And so that was something that for me, I'm like anything that I can take out that will help and that will make this situation better, I will do it. So that was the second reason. The third reason, main reason for us was because the impact that pork had on my husband's immune system. Every time he eats pork or ate pork, he would catch a cold. He would get extremely uh, congested in his head, in his chest, and it just, it, it wasn't worth it. It got to the point where there were too many reasons not to make changes, and the reasons that we were making to justify not making those changes did not outweigh them, and so we just decided to make that shift, and it's been an amazing journey, an amazing experience, experience um, ever since, and so for us, our reasons were health were health based health reasons and because they were health reasons for me to be in the middle of this experience and it, and and go through it and say wow this thing that i'm doing as a positive for my health is actually creating negative effects of me gaining weight i had to really figure out how to balance that because how is it that i'm trying to do this for my health but i'm really creating a situation for myself that was working against my health and so i really had to look at how am i moving through this vegan diet you know the first year that we did it we were we were almost vegan we were mainly vegan and now we have gotten to a comfortable place of saying that we are plant based the bulk of what we eat the bulk of what we consume, the bulk of what we fix is vegan, but I say plant-based because it takes the label off of it and it takes the pressure 
off of it. And it gives us flexibility to eat the foods that make us feel good, to eat the foods that we want to eat, to go to a situation where if you're eating at someone's home or you're going to a party or you're doing something, you don't have to feel restricted or awkward or the odd man out because there's something there that you can find that you can enjoy. And so we don't say vegan in our house. We don't use that label, quote unquote. We say plant-based because the bulk of what we consume grows from the ground and we do our family just for transparency we do enjoy fish and seafood from time to time Um, again we don't put that pressure on ourselves which i think a lot of people do when they're making that transition so it's very important to make a note about that so first when we made the transition to eating mostly plant-based and like i said the first year or so we were pretty much vegan okay without putting that label on it Here's some of the things that I feel like I did wrong. And when I talk about food, I try to be careful about not using the term right and wrong or good or bad because I think we have we can have a tendency to judge ourselves too much and the psychological impact of saying this is a good food versus a bad food, especially for children, can have a really, really negative impact. So please hear my heart on this when I say things that I did wrong. These are things that I just did and did not understand the impact that they had on Adrian, okay? The the impact that they had on my personal body, my personal well-being, okay? So I'm not saying these are don'ts, okay? But what I'm saying is this is kind of what I did in my experience that now I realize I needed to make some adjustments in, okay? So the first thing that I did that I feel like I definitely needed to adjust was I felt the need, and I alluded to this, I felt the need to overcompensate because we were taking meat, which was a huge part of our of our diets and a huge part of our table. We were taking that out of our diets. And so I felt like I needed to compensate for that. So a good example of that is the first Thanksgiving that we had, our first vegan Thanksgiving. And I want to say it might have been 2016 um, or 20. Yeah, I think it was 2016. We had so much food on our table. There was barely room for the plates that we would use to eat off of. And there was still food on the counter. And I made almost every vegan recipe that made sense to have during Thanksgiving. I made it. Your vegan, you know, butternut squash macaroni with roasted Brussels sprouts on the top. I made a vegan lentil loaf, but it was not a lentil loaf. It was... um. It was a vegan Wellington, so almost like beef Wellington where you have the beef in the middle and then it has pastry crust around the around the side and it's kind of baked and crispy and everything. I did that with lentils. I mean, I'd never made it before in my life, but I felt like I needed a centerpiece dish for the table, like the turkey would be the centerpiece dish, and I did not want to do a tofurkey, like that just freaked me out for some reason. So I made this big, you know, lentil vegan Wellington and nobody liked it (laughs) except me. (laughs) I mean, just all these things. I completely overdid it. I mean, I had jackfruit barbecue. I mean, I had all these sorts of things. And I mean, individually, the dishes may have been okay and they may have been good, but everything all at one time, I felt like, well, since we don't have meat, we need to overcompensate and have more sides. And that just truly was not the case. It was very overwhelming. And we were eating the same food for days. I mean, for days after that. So 
I definitely don't recommend that approach. If you <laughs> are making this transition right now before the holidays, please do not overcompensate in your menu. Okay. I will have show, I will have some episodes leading up to Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and some of those, you know, winter holidays that will give you some suggestions of how to approach those in a plant-based healthy plant-based manner um, so that you can avoid <laughs> some of those uh, potholes that I hit on our first Thanksgiving. Uh, this also, this kind of approach of overcompensating, that was also the same approach that I used in my daily eating. And so I was eating healthy food before we transitioned to being plant-based. I mean, I was preparing healthy food for my family, but I ate too much of it. And I felt like I had to overcompensate because, okay, I'm not eating meat, so I'm going to get hungry. So let me go ahead and eat, eat, eat. Kind bars, which in themselves are amazing. I feel like they're fairly clean for a processed food in terms of what you would buy that's actually been prepared in a factory that's packaged a processed food. I feel like it's a fairly clean processed food. And I highly recommend Kind Bars. They're delicious. They're healthy for you. But when you're eating, you know, two or three in a day... (laughs) That's a little much. Or when you always have them around and you're eating them instead of maybe something that could be a little more whole or nutritious for you, that may be something to kind of think about. Roasted nuts and trail mix, I was always eating, you know, roasted nuts all the time. Again, not bad food, but the way that I was eating them, the amounts that I was eating them. I wasn't measuring anything out, digging my hand in the bag or filling up a bowl because again, I thought I had to do this because I was going to be hungry and I needed to fill up. Thinking about whole grain breads and rolls and pasta, potatoes, vegan butter. I mean, taking some vegan butter or some coconut oil and putting it on a warm toasted slice of whole grain bread in itself is not a bad, you know, a bad, a bad thing to do. But when you're doing it and then you're still going to eat a full meal, you're still going to have even more bread. You're still, I mean, it just, to me, I was, I was just out of control. I feel like I was out of control. I was kind of eating mindlessly because I felt like I had to fuel my body and I, and, and that I wasn't going to get the nourishment that I needed. Peanut butter by the spoonful and not just saying one spoon and that's it. Cause that's what I do now. I mean, almond butter, peanut butter, get a spoon, scoop it in that container and close it up. And that's what I do now. What I would do before is I would just sit there and I would scoop and then I'm like, wow, okay, I need another one. Get another spoon, scoop. Okay. Uh, I'm hungry again. Let me, let me think about what I want to snack on another one. Scoop. Instead of reaching for something that could be a little more nourishing to my body, I'm scooping in all of these spoonfuls of, of fat. Yes, protein, but high contents of fat. So I don't know if any of you that have made that transition over to a plant-based diet, if you can relate to just kind of overdoing it on the foods that fit into your, your lifestyle, into your plan. You just overdo it. You just do too much. You're doing too much. <laughs> The next thing that I did, I, so naturally I'm a volume eater, meaning I like to eat a lot of food. So for example, if I go to the movie theaters, you know, pre-COVID, and I order some popcorn, I would be okay now with a small popcorn, as long as I'm not sharing it. (laughs) If the small popcorn is my popcorn, I'm fine. But before I would need to get the large refillable popcorn because I'm like, well, 
First of all, this is a long movie, two hours, two and a half hours. I need enough popcorn to last me through the entire movie. So I like eating a lot of food. If I go to a restaurant, I know that the portion sizes that they're giving me are two to three times what I actually should be eating. But if I get a plate that looks like it's the actual serving size, I feel cheated, right? You know, I feel like I naturally, I just like to eat a lot of food. That in itself is not a good or a bad thing. It just is. And I think for someone who's making a transition, especially in the way that they're eating, it's important to recognize that. Do you tend to gravitate towards eating quantity or do you tend to gravitate towards eating more frequently, but smaller portion sizes, you know, smaller bites, kind of grazing here and there. Now, the problem is I combine both of those. I like to, I used to like to graze and kind of still do now and eat the regular portion size. So you have to be careful. You have to, you have to know what your habits are and where your tendencies lie so that you can just be aware and that you can address it in the right way. The other piece that I did, uh, and I think this is probably what number five, maybe the other piece that I did when I made the transition was I made carbs the foundation of my meals because again, in my mind, I'm removing the main filler of our meals, the meat. So I need another filler. So I would add in breads and pastas and creamy sauces and um, potatoes and, and all of these things that I felt like I needed to fill that void of having meat on our plate. And that became the basis for the dinner. And I would start there at the carb or at the, the, the base of the dish whatever I was going to add to it became the secondary thought. And when I did that, it ended up being, being too much, you know, too much pastas, too much rices, too much breads for me. Okay. Now, again, this, this may be a little different for you, but I'm helping you to kind of think about those questions that you need to ask yourself and maybe some of those habits or those tendencies that you may notice. And if you feel like you've made the transition to a plant-based diet, but your weight has gone up and you didn't want it to go up, these are some of the things to maybe step back and take a look at and see, am I doing these same things? And again, I'm not saying that these in themselves are bad things to do or that they're not okay to do. And I would never tell someone, this is what you should eat, this is what you should not eat. But again, the way that I was eating these foods, the way that I was actually plating my meals, the way that I was grazing throughout the day, the grazing in itself is not a negative thing, but the way that I was doing it is what was working against the goals that I'd actually set for myself. So if you can identify with any of those, here are some of the changes that I made that actually helped. And I'm now finally at a point, uh, what is it, 2016, so maybe you know three, four years later that we've been in this plant-based journey, I'm finally to a point where I have found freedom in the way that we're eating. And I've actually figured out a way to do it to where it's supporting my weight loss goals and it's supporting my energy instead of me feeling like I'm, you know, lethargic and sluggish and putting on weight, but I don't understand why I kind of get it now. And so I want to share some of that with you. I want to share some of that insight with you. So here's some of the changes that I made and some tips that will help you move forward. If this is an area that you really want to either correct and try to figure out how to move towards a weight loss um, momentum in a plant-based uh, world, plant-based way of eating, 
or it's something that you know about so then you can avoid this happening as you're making a transition. So number one, start with protein, okay? If you start with protein and build your plate around protein, you're good. You're going in a good direction. Now, remember, like I said, one of the kind of potholes that I hit early on was I was basing my plates off of the carb. Okay. I'm going to start with potatoes, start with bread. I know my side is going to be mashed potatoes. I know, you know, whatever that side was going to be on the plate and what I could top that with. But if you reverse that and you start with protein in each meal and even in your snacks, that is going to help you get full and stay full and not only just full, but stay satisfied. A lot of vegan, you know, people who are pursuing a vegan lifestyle and people who are eating plant-based recipes or even making plant-based recipes, one of the things that they're missing in that is they aren't considering substantial sources of protein. Now, let me, now let me explain. Now we're going to do a whole episode on where do you get your protein? Because that's one of the main questions that I get from people whenever I explain that we live a mainly plant-based lifestyle. They're like, well, how do you get your protein? You don't get enough protein, do you? Oh, you work out? Well, you need more protein, all these things. No, you can absolutely be healthy on a vegan diet, on a plant-based diet. But the key is you have to understand all plants have some level of protein in them and some have more than others. So if you focus your efforts in on the plants that have the higher grams worth of the higher content worth of protein, and then build your plates around that, then that's where you can stay full and satisfied. Vegans do not eat salads every single day. Most vegans don't. Some some may. If you're a raw food vegan, you may, okay? But it's the ones who are able to be creative in how they incorporate that protein that are more successful, that are able to live this as a maintained life, okay? So that's one area that I was missing in the beginning, and I've learned to make sure that I'm looking for those plant-based sources of protein. So let's talk about protein just a little bit. And like I said, I'm only going to touch on it, so I'm not going to include a whole bunch of stuff about protein because I do want to do an individual episode on protein. But just in general, the National Academy of Sciences recommends 0.0 or 0.8 grams of protein a day estimated, okay, that we need as adults. So what that equates to, a 175-pound male would need about 63 grams of protein. So a man that's about 175 pounds on average would need about 63 grams of protein a day in terms of these recommendations. A woman who weighs 125 pounds, which, you know, I'm not a woman who weighs 125 pounds, but (laughs) according to their research, um, she would need about 45 grams of protein. So what's happening though is that Americans and our standard American diet, we're eating so much meat, so much um, dairy, so much animal products that we're getting well above that. So on average, the average American is getting between 115 to 150 grams of protein a day. So whereas for men, again, average recommendation is 63 grams, Americans on average are eating 150 grams. So the question that I get when somebody's like, well, where do you get your protein? I, my response to them is typically, I get my protein from plants. But my question to you is where are you getting your fiber? 
because that's typically the area that we're missing. We want to eat all the meat and all the animal products, the things that cause cholesterol and heart disease and all these pieces. Again, not bad, not don't eat, okay? I'm not listing those things in the don't eat category. The way that we eat those foods leads to these negative um, results that we get. And we're asking ourselves the wrong questions because we've been conditioned in a, in a certain way and thinking a certain way. Okay. So the formula that they recommend to determine how much protein do you specifically need? They recommend taking your current body weight in pounds. So let's say you weigh 150 pounds and multiplying that by 0.36 and that gives you the number of grams of protein that your body specifically needs a day on average okay so that's kind of an, an an equation that they that the national academy of sciences recommends now t colin campbell who is a medical physician medical doctor and one of the premier researchers and experts in plant-based living his recommendation is even less than that he says that about 5% of your daily diet should be protein. So he, he even takes that recommendation and moves it a little bit lower than what, um, than what the National Academy of Sciences says. And I think that's because all plants have some type of protein. So if we're seeking those plant-based proteins specifically because they have higher numbers, we also have to consider that everything else on our plate is going to contribute to those numbers. And you really don't want to put too much protein in your system. You want to try to get an, as much as your body needs and not too much excess over that, okay? So, um, so again, I, you know, we can definitely, we have a tendency of overdoing the protein on the standard American diet. And then when, they, when we seek plant-based sources of protein, we're getting the protein from it, but we're also getting fiber, we're also getting vitamins, we're also getting minerals, we're also getting water, we're also getting all these other aspects that our body really needs and can process very well, okay? Protein keeps us full and satisfied. And so this is the missing link for people who are wanting to make the transition or who are trying to, and they feel hungry all the time. Are you getting plant-based sources of protein? So some of the heavy hitters to look out for and the heavy hitters to go for, and if you start here in building your plate, you may see a huge difference. Beans, chickpeas, black beans, red beans, cannellini beans, lima beans, all these different sorts of, like, sorts of beans, high in fiber, they're high in iron, like this is, this is kind of where we need to be turning our attention to as plant-based families, okay? Lentils. Lentils are amazing. Lentils have the ability to, um, especially if you get red lentils, they cook up pretty quickly. And they're super small. And because they're super small, they can mimic the texture of meat in stews, in tacos, in, you know, different kinds of dishes that you, that you want to make. They're wonderful. You can also blend lentils so that it makes a nice creamy, silky, you know, soup or a bisque almost. Um, so lentils are things to kind of look for. When you're thinking about beans, on average, beans have about 15 grams of protein. Lentils, 18 grams of protein. And these are one cup servings. Tofu, so if tofu, if, if you aren't sensitive to soy or processed soy, tofu is an excellent um, example of how to get a plant-based protein into your, into your diets. Uh, on average, about 11 grams of protein per serving. 
edamame or soybean, so uh, soy in its most unprocessed form, the bean that you would actually harvest, 29 grams of protein in one cup of edamame. What? And edamame is very, very popular in Asian dishes. And so it's really, really easy to throw edamame in to a stir fry that you're doing or something like that. It's really easy to, to do that. And it doesn't affect the flavor of what or the texture of what you're actually making. And then finally, what I'll mention is quinoa. So that kind of base grain, that base of a dish that you want to go for. If you're going to go for, you know, a grain, go for quinoa. Quinoa is one of the grains that has um, a high content. It has the highest content of protein in it. And so one, um, one serving of quinoa, eight grams of protein. And of course you want to look for whole grain breads, um, whole wheat breads, breads that really have very minimal processing to them. They're going to have a higher protein content and higher fiber content for that matter than breads that have more of a processed, um, you know, wheat, honey, wheat, um, you know, white, white wheat, any of those. You want to look for whole grain, multi-grain, seed bread, those types of things that are going to have a higher higher count on the protein scale. Okay, so number one that I did, one of the changes that I made is I, number one, I went for the protein before I looked at anything else. Number two, I looked for veggies. Okay, we cannot be plant-based folks. We cannot be plant-based families and not consider the veggies on our plates. Okay, we can't do that and expect to be healthy. We can't do that and expect not to gain weight because veggies are where it's at. Veggies are cool. Veggies deserve respect and loving. Okay, veggies make us full and satisfied. And because they have very low calories, I'm not a calorie counter, I don't recommend counting calories, but if you look at it, the amount of calories per volume, this is where the volume eater in me gets to have fun. I can eat tons of veggies and still lose weight. Tons of veggies and feel full and satisfied. Tons of veggies and feel like I can be creative on my plate because when I look at my plate, I see an array of colors and you can fit veggies into any, um, any style cuisine. I mean, it's amazing, right? So veggies are really where it's at and this is where you want to, once you look at the protein, you want to accessorize with as many veggies as possible. And even if you don't say as many veggies as possible, you could say as much veggies as possible. So if you're going to have, you know, let's say a plate of, you know, I mean, just keep it as simple as possible, a place, a plate of black beans, and you want to know what veggies to put on there, just saute up some bell peppers, maybe some mushrooms. Okay. So you don't have to make it super duper fancy and make it something that you can't even pronounce. Use easy stuff. Use stuff that you're already used to eating, but just proportion it differently. You want that protein in there. And then you want the bulk of your plate to be made up of vegetables, okay? So vegetables to think about to get you started because there's some people who are like, I hate vegetables. I'm not really a big vegetable person. Where do I even start on looking for this? Lettuce, spring mix. There's so many different kinds of lettuce mixes and the salad bags that are already done for you. Grab a couple of those on your grocery run and just start adding some other things to it, but they make great bases. Okay, so spring mix, 
some kind of lettuce, like a romaine, um, not iceberg. Iceberg has very little nutritional value. So you want to go with romaine. You want to go with um, bib or butter lettuce. Um, you want to go with red, red green, uh, what is it, green leaf or red leaf lettuce. Any of those would be great. Think about other veggies too. Carrots, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower. Um, you can roast those, you can steam them, you can air fry them, you can do anything to those veggies. Now let me let me take a pause here and um, talk about my good friend Collie. Okay, Collie, you may know her as Cauliflower. She's amazing. <laughs> she is a staple in our house at all times. I have about two or three heads of cauliflower in my refrigerator. And this is because I feel like Bubba Gump when I talk about cauliflower, how he used to talk about shrimp, shrimp scampi, shrimp fricassee, shrimp lo mein, shrimp whatever. I feel like that with cauliflower because you can do rice cauliflower, mashed cauliflower, you can do steamed cauliflower, you can do uh, roasted cauliflower, air fried cauliflower, stir fried, any anything that you would want to try. Try it with cauliflower, and I bet it would be delicious, okay? I bet it would be delicious. So that is one vegetable that if somebody was like, okay, if I needed, if I wanted, if you gave me one vegetable to try, what would it be? Cauliflower, because there's so many different things that you can do with it. Y'all, I even put frozen cauliflower in my smoothies. So if I have a strawberry banana smoothie, I add some frozen cauliflower to it and it helps to make it even thicker and creamier and it makes me feel great because I know I'm getting a huge serving of vegetables at the beginning of the day or whenever I'm having my smoothie. Like, don't underestimate the power of the collie, okay? I'm just saying, I'm just saying. The book, um, the book, you Can Drop It by registered dietitian Alana Molstein focuses on um, her signature program, The To Be Mindset. And I absolutely love this philosophy and I highly recommend it. But she is an extreme advocate for veggies most. That is part of her signature phrase, veggies most. Because for her, she flips, she flips what I just said. So I said, I think about protein first and then the veggies that go with it. Her thing is veggies most. Look at the veggies first and then you add your protein after that, okay? But her thing is veggies keep you full. They help get you full. The protein is what's gonna keep you full and keep you satisfied, okay? So stick in that wheelhouse, protein and veggies. And then you can accessorize with the carbs. Accessorize with your brown rice. Accessorize with your sweet potato. Accessorize with you know your, your wild rice or that cream sauce or whatever you wanna do with your dish but hone in on the protein and the veggies. The third thing that I had to kind of shift my thinking is water. Water, water, water. Now, one of the things, and this is something that I really try to tell my kids because they're always like, can I have a snack? Can I have a snack? I'm hungry. Drink some water first. After they eat their food, can I have blah, 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 blah. They're asking for more food. Go drink some water. <laughs> I'm like, let that spread out. Let it marinate a little bit in your stomach before you ask for food. Because one thing that we have to realize is our bodies are brilliantly designed. I mean, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And one of the things that we have to do is we have to understand how we were made and how our bodies function. We have hormones in our body that are strictly geared towards survival, okay? And so anytime our stomachs are empty or anytime something is happening and we're digesting our food, we have a hormone that will signal to our brains 
ghrelin, hey, we're hungry. And you can remember ghrelin because it's like your stomach grumbles. So gr grumble, ghrelin, and it signals to your brain, hey, we're hungry, we need food, feed us, put food in. And instead of automatically going and reaching into that jar of trail mix, which is seemingly a healthy snack, but if you don't need that nourishment right then, it's gonna be stored in your body as fat. So instead of, okay, my stomach is growling, I'm getting these signals, let me put food into my body. The first thing that we should be doing is reaching for our water bottle. We need to reach for the water bottle because what happens is I equate it to, you know, a home that are uh, uh, feel, you know, it's probably a, a very ill-timed example, but it's the only one that is in my mind, um, something that is on fire, okay? If you, you know, have a, have a field or something that is on fire, when the fire trucks arrive, they're not trying to figure out how did this fire start, what they're focus really is, is trying to put the fire out. Then once they put the fire out, once everyone is to safety or where they need to be, then they come in and investigate where did it start? Or maybe even while they're putting the fire out, they may come across the starting point. Okay. Our, our focus oftentimes when we're in the middle of that panic mode of, oh my gosh, I'm hungry. Let me, let me solve this problem by eating. We need to put the fire out first with water, drink water. It's not going to hurt anything to take five minutes, drink some water, be still for a moment and say, am I satisfied? Was I just thirsty? Because thirst oftentimes presents itself as hunger. It's kind of tricky. And then once we drink that water, if I'm like, no, I still am hungry. I still feel like I need to eat then we can reach for something. And when we take that moment to drink something and calm down, put the fire out, we're more capable of then moving forward to say, what is it that my body really needs at this moment? Okay, so when you feel hungry, reach for water. Okay, start with water and then decide what it is that your body actually needs after that point. Ilana, in her book, um, as well as Alyssa Keating with Revelation Wellness, Revelation Fitness, they both recommend drinking half of your body weight in ounces in water. So, you know, if you, you know, if you weigh, again, using that 150 pound example, divide that by two and whatever that is in ounces, that's how many ounces of water you should be drinking a day. And that helps to ensure that your body stays hydrated, that your, your you know, the water soluble vitamins that you're eating throughout the day, that those are actually being used by your body because your body needs water in order to use those. Um, it helps to make sure that your temp body temperature stays regulated. And again, it helps to keep those hormones in check. So you're not getting false hunger signals, that you're able to feel what your body feels like in true hunger, and that helps you to nourish your body according to what you may be hungry for, okay? Um, you could even add water, um, um, to your water, add lemon, lime, fruit, even veggie, cucumber, add some veggies, you know, to your water to flavor it up because a lot of times people say, I don't like the way water tastes. Well, really water doesn't have that big of a taste, but if you want it to taste like something, you can make it taste like something. Add some berries in there, some cut up strawberries, add a, a slice of cantaloupe, add a squeezed lemon or lime or, you know, something in there to give it some flavor so that you can get that sensation. If you're a soda drinker, try to swap out your soda with sparkling water. They have tons of flavors. 
look, my favorite sparkling water, and I'm not being, you know, I'm not um, being compensated by them, even though I've contacted them and I'm like, you need me to be your spokesperson, is Limoncello flavored LaCroix. Oh, moment of silence for it. Oh, okay, I'm back. Limoncello flavored LaCroix is amazing. It is literally amazing. There are zero calories, zero sugar. It's all natural flavoring. But to me, it fulfills all of those cravings for a soda that I would have. I can get in that drink and don't feel like I've deprived myself from anything. As a matter of fact, I feel like I'm indulging because it's so delicious. And if you try different flavors of whatever brand sparkling water you want to try, or if you try to create your own spa water or sparkling water with different flavors, you'll be surprised at what flavor combinations you actually may enjoy. And it's better for your body. It helps to hydrate your body more than the sodas and the caffeine and the different things that we're pumping in our bodies that actually work against us and dehydrate us. So water, water, water. Okay. So first, I started with protein. Second, I went for veggies to add to that protein. Third, I upped my water. And fourth and finally, I had to remember just because something is vegan doesn't mean it's healthy. An Oreo is vegan, y'all. An Oreo. There are tons of ice creams. There are tons of potato chips. All sorts of different kinds of things that are on the shelves right now that are vegan but just because it's vegan doesn't mean it has to make it into my shopping cart. I still have to be mindful, still have to be intentional about the food that I'm eating, whether it's vegan or not, okay? There are tons of processed foods, some that are good for you. You know, I mean, of course, it's better to eat something that's unprocessed, but if you're gonna go for a processed food, look at the list of ingredients on the back and see how clean that product is. But if you're going to eat something that's in a package and processed, see if you can read the ingredients. Do you know what it says? Can you read what it is? If you wanted to make it at home, granted it may not taste the same, but that's kind of my my rule of thumb for most of the things that I purchase that are packaged. There are some exceptions, but for most things, if I look at the package and I say, wow, okay, these are ingredients that I would have in my kitchen, or at least ingredients where I know where I could find them, or I know what they are, I know, know what they do, I get it. But if I, it has a lot of long words that aren't bacteria. So for example, with yogurt, there's no way I'm going to be able to pronounce the ingredients on yogurt because it has all these live cultures and bacteria. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about ingredients in the actual ingredient panel that are so long or so chemically based that you don't even understand what they are. Then that means there might be some, some fakeness happening in there that you may want to, to research or look up or at least question before you eat it. And just just be aware, you know? Now, again, don't get me wrong. We do eat some processed foods. I mean, I love field roast. I love Beyond Meat. I love the brand Corn, Q-U-O-R-N. There are certain brands that I love, but I also enjoy them because I've looked at how they produce their food. I read the ingredients on the back. I try to make sure that they're as clean as possible. And I say clean, meaning you know, the ingredient list isn't terribly long and it has stuff in there that you know, that's what you want to try to go for. Because your body, when you're putting foreign food into your body, it doesn't really know what to do with that. And that could be a source of your weight gain because your body is actually attacking what you're putting into it and it doesn't know what to do with it. 
So the more real food that you can put into your body, minimally processed, as much of that as possible, your body is then able to process it, use it, digest it, and make it work for your benefit. Okay, so those are the four things that I kind of did. Now, I want to give you some ideas. Okay, so you might say, Adrian, that's all fine and good. I get it. Yes, I know that these are questions that I needed to ask myself. But now, how do I put it together into meals? So here's some quick examples. Okay, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. But once you start piecing things together, it's like a little game or a little puzzle. Okay, once you start piecing it together, you can then start to be a little more creative. So for breakfast, I'm going to go over some breakfast, lunch, breakfasts, lunches, some dinners and a couple of snacks that might be some good suggestions and places for you to start. So first for breakfast, think about a plant-based yogurt that has a high amount of protein in it. How do you know if it has a lot of protein in it? Turn it over, look at the nutrition facts label, and anything that has, I would say maybe at least four or five grams of protein, that's something that you want to aim for. If it has less than that, does it mean not to eat it? Absolutely not. But again, we're going for um, ways that we can feel that we can feel satisfied, full, satiated. So anything that maybe in terms of your yogurt that has about five grams of protein or more, and you also want to aim for unsweetened or something that has a low amount of sugar because that's another danger zone for yogurt there as well and then add some fresh berries to that if you want some granola sprinkle some granola in there you have a yogurt parfait but because you've paid attention to that amount of protein in there now you have one that's going to keep you full and keep you satisfied another breakfast example is scrambled tofu with some veggies that's a great idea or scrambled tofu with veggies and maybe a, a slice of whole grain toast, something like that. Sweet potato hash. So you, you know, roast up a sweet potato um, that you've diced up and then you saute alongside of it some, you know, some peppers, some onions, some mushrooms, and you put that in a bowl and you enjoy it. You can add to that maybe some um, Beyond Meat Italian sausage or Field Roast Italian sausage, something like that to kind of make it feel like you're eating meat along with it, but it's, it's going to be good for your body. That is a delicious, filling breakfast right there. Now some lunch options for you. Lunch, number one, a hummus wrap. So you take a, a whole wheat tortilla or a spinach tortilla, a, a tomato, a sun-dried tomato tortilla, um, a wrap, and you add hummus, maybe some roasted red pepper hummus or classic hummus. You can make it at home. You can buy it from the store. Sprinkle in some lettuce or some spinach, fresh spinach, maybe some sprouts, some grape tomatoes. Y'all, I'm making myself hungry. Oh my gosh, it sounds so good. Some shredded carrots in there, whatever kind of veggies you want to stuff in there, wrap that baby up and enjoy. Okay, that's a great lunch right there. Um, I love an everyday nourish bowl. Oh gosh, I can't think of who... Oh gosh, what blog I saw this on, but I eat it all the time. It's literally a bowl that has um, spring mix or spinach in it. It's almost the same thing that I just described, except without the wrap. So you've got your, your spring mix or your spinach, and then you add in some shredded carrots or maybe julienne carrots. You add in your grape tomatoes, some, some sliced cucumbers, some sweet peppers, some hummus, some pumpkin seeds, or if you want to add hemp seeds, whatever. You add all that stuff together, some sliced avocado, and you've got a huge bowl of goodness. And you are full, you are satisfied until your next meal. 
I love, that's one of my favorite lunches to make is an everyday nourish bowl where it has all those fresh veggies. And if you didn't want to do the hummus, you could always do just regular chickpeas or roasted chickpeas. And for roasted chickpeas, I like to take them um, and you can do it in the oven or in the air fryer. I've started doing mine in the air fryer because I think they just, they cook up a little bit quicker and a little bit more evenly. I take it and I use some Italian dressing. I make my own Italian dressing. I just shake it up in a little container and then I dump it into the air fryer and I put it on five minutes. And that way they don't get super crispy, but they get a little bit tender, a little bite to them. And I add that to my bowl or add it to my salads. And you can't tell me that's not bits of little like chicken, little, little diced chicken breast. I mean, it, it mimics that flavor in your salads or in your bowls, in your wraps. Amazing. I'm just saying, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. Another lunch option for you, bean soups. So if you wanna get that high protein from your beans and your lentils, think about soups that contain those. Black bean soups, lentil soups, white bean soups, a minestrone, um, what is it? Pasta, uh, pasta a figarlo, fig, I don't know, whatever, whatever pasta soup they have at the Olive Garden. <laughs> I can't pronounce it. But it's so good because the base, it's a, it's a broth base. It, it's heavy in veggies. And you can, you know, make sure, like if you're making it at home, you don't add the meat to it. And then you just make sure that you have some whole grain pasta and you're good. You're good. These are easy things that you can pull together for lunch. Now, what about snacks? Okay, something that you can easily grab and easily reach for. Hummus. If you've already made hummus for the week because you're going to put it in your wrap, you might as well reach for some hummus as your snack. So hummus or a bean dip, or if you have refried beans for a Mexican meal, you can save the leftovers and use that as a dip, the refried beans as a dip. Pair it with some sweet peppers, some sliced cucumbers, some grape tomatoes, any kind of veggies that are dippable or some whole grain crackers. Um, look at a small protein shake. Okay, maybe if you just don't know what to do, but you have some protein powder on hand, make up a quick protein shake. And like I said, add in some, to toss in some frozen cauliflower and that'll make it, you don't have to use ice. It'll make it nice and cold and thick and creamy. So good. Trail mix. But when you, you, when you do trail mix or something that may be a little bit higher in fat with nuts or even avocado, if you wanted to dip your veggies in guacamole, great option, but definitely measure those things out. And let me give you a quick measuring tip, okay, to kind of keep it easy. So what I like to do is I like to try to measure it out the first time, see what that looks like, and then from that point forward, I can eyeball it. So some things like, for example, trail mix. I know that my little coffee scooper, I have some extra plastic coffee scoopers. I know that those measure up to be two tablespoons. So if I want some trail mix, I will take my coffee scooper, scoop up some trail mix, put it in a bowl and put the rest of it away. And I know I'm eating two tablespoons of trail mix. And then I might break up my nuts, you know, the cashews in there, my roasted almonds, maybe break those up so then it makes a little bit more because again, I'm a volume eater. So I like to eat a lot of food, but I'm still eating two tablespoons worth of trail mix, but I'm making it go longer. And then I eat it slowly. I don't take the bowl and toss it in and say, well, now I'm done. No, it's going to take me about 10 minutes to eat that two tablespoons of trail mix so I can stretch it out. Okay. And let me tell you something. It's no lame trail mix. Okay. I, my favorite one is roasted, roasted salted almonds, roasted cashews, throw some pistachios in there, 
have some juicy raisins and some dark chocolate chips. Like to me, that is legit. So you don't have to have a dry trail mix and say, well, I've got to have these blanched almonds and, you know, unsweetened craisins. If you want that, great. If you think that's delicious, awesome. But if you like salted roasted nuts, enjoy salted roasted nuts, but just enjoy them in moderation. Enjoy them in a portion that makes sense to what your goals are, okay? You don't have to restrict yourself. I don't feel restricted when I'm taking that scoop out. I'd feel restricted if I had to, you know, calorie count and do all these things and then I would condemn myself if I didn't follow those rules. But I give myself these kind of guidelines and parameters to create freedom in how I enjoy my food. So that way I'm not saying I can never have trail mix again. I'm saying if I want to enjoy trail mix, let me just use this as a guideline. That way I can enjoy it and stay within my goals that I'm trying to reach. Last snack that I'll recommend for you, and this is like my go-to, oh, I love it, chia pudding. Okay, my kids love vanilla chia pudding, so just regular chia pudding. I absolutely love chocolate chia pudding. And Minimalist Baker, the blog Minimalist Baker, has the best chocolate chia pudding recipe on there. And what I like to do is I like to blend it up in my um, in my blender, in my food processor, to make it really nice and creamy. So it's almost like I'm eating a chocolate mousse or chocolate pudding. Oh, it's so good! And the cool thing with ch- with chia pudding, it it's a chia seed. Is high in protein, so you're gonna feel full and satisfied with a small amount of it. But it's also great not only as a snack, but you can eat it for breakfast. And instead of that yogurt, let's say you can't find a high protein yogurt in the grocery store near you, make a batch of chia pudding. That way you're gonna have about eight or nine grams of protein per serving. And then you can top that with your fresh berries, a little bit of granola. And that's a great swap out. That's what I've done a lot because it's hard to find high protein plant-based yogurts. But now we have a store here called Earth Fair, which is amazing. I feel like it's home away from home. They have reopened in our in our city And now it's easier to find those products that I'm looking for. But still, sometimes, you know, I'm I'm on a budget or I don't, you know, I don't want to add that to my list this week. And so I'll go ahead because I buy chia seeds in bulk. I'll go ahead and just make a batch of chocolate chia pudding and I know I'm squared away and I'm set. And all I have to do is add the fresh berries and sprinkle on some granola if I really want to. Lastly, dinners, some quick dinners to pull together. So you want to, again, start with that protein. So maybe some baked tofu. Um, A lot of people don't like tofu because it doesn't taste like anything and because they don't like the texture. And that's because you have to marinate it. You have to give tofu some love, okay? Have have some love. So marinate it in some salsa, in some lime juice, marinate it in some um, teriyaki sauce or make a you know dressing. If you have salad dressings, um, like a lemon, uh, I, I make a lemon vinaigrette, marinate some tofu cubes in, in that and then you bake it or air fry it. And that gets the texture to be a little bit firmer. Another trick is you freeze your container of tofu until you're ready to use it. Then the night before, take it out, put it in the fridge, let it thaw, and that also firms up that texture a little bit more. So I don't know why, I don't know what about it does that, but that's a great option to kind of change the texture of it. And then that can be kind of your your protein base. Also look at the edamame or beans or look at bean-based pasta. 
There's a brand that I use all the time called Bonza. It's in a bright orange box. It's chickpea pasta. There's also another, um, I can't think of the name of the brand now, but it's lentil. So like red lentil or yellow lentil pasta. So, so good. And they're high in protein. Bonza, it's chickpea pasta and it's 25 grams of protein per serving in the pasta and it's rotini, it's, you know, penne, it's spaghetti, it's all these shapes that you would normally um, enjoy in regular enriched pasta or whole wheat, but the base of the flour that's used is beans, so you're getting protein. So that's a great, great um, swap out there if you're looking for a high protein dish. And then you just top it with your cream sauce, top it with some olive oil, top it with a chunky marinara. Whatever you were gonna do with regular pasta, you can do with these bean-based pastas and feel good about it because you know you're getting that protein and so you're going to be full, you're going to be satisfied without adding the extra, um, the extra pieces that may not be supporting your weight loss goals. Um, you could do roasted cauliflower fajitas with a side of black beans. So roast some cauliflower, some onions, some peppers, some mushrooms, and you have, you know, maybe some whole wheat tortillas or even flour tortillas. And then you have a side of black beans. There you go. You've got your protein, you've got your veggies, and then you have this extra accessory of your tortilla on the side. There's so many ways that you can combine these to be creative and to not sacrifice flavor, don't sacrifice texture, don't sacrifice satisfaction, but you just have to be willing to go there, okay? Be willing to go there. So some of the main keys to wrap those up, okay? To wrap this up, five main keys that I want you to that I want you to remember and I want you to think of. Number one, we have to retrain our plant-based brains for protein and veggies instead of carbs and comfort. Within the standard American diet, we're so quick to reach for those carbs and the comfort food. But if we retrain our brains to think of protein and veggies, there's still plenty of quote unquote comfort foods that we can make out of protein and veggies and feel warm and satisfied and so good. Number two, portion out non-veggies. This is what I was talking about, you know, with, um, with my trail mix of kind of scooping it out. And now I know one scoop is all I need because I've measured out what that scoop equates to. Another example is hummus. Hummus is wonderful because it's bean-based, but a lot of times hummus is made with oil. So if it is, that means that you're adding fat. And that is fine because your body needs fat, especially whole fat, like, like is in, you know, in um, olive oil or avocado or the monounsaturated fat. That's what our body needs. So it's not that you can't eat that. But just know that if you overindulge, it may not work towards the health goals or the weight goals that you're going for. So just measure them out. So it could be as simple as, okay, instead of just drizzling the olive oil in a pan before I saute up my veggies, I'm just going to take the cap. And let me just pour it in a cap and I'm going to drizzle one cap full. So I know, I may not know if it's a teaspoon or a tablespoon or whatever it is, but at least I can eyeball it to know what I'm using and then I can track that. I can say, okay, I used a cap full instead of saying how much oil was in that. I don't even know. I just poured until my heart said that was enough. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sometimes we cook with our heart with seasonings and flavorings and stuff like that. But when it comes to oils and different things, if your goal is weight loss, you may want to first see how much is a tablespoon. What does that look like? And then maybe you can eyeball off of that, okay? <laughs> 
Next thing, track your food. So this is something that we may um, dread doing, but I'm telling you, it wasn't until I started writing down what I was eating and then looking back at that to kind of see what my habits were. See what kind of foods do I enjoy? Maybe take a look at and say, okay, how often am I eating? Was I hungry then? When do I tend to get hungry? Because we're conditioned to eat breakfast at a certain time, eat lunch at a certain time, eat our meals at prescribed times, but are those the times when I'm actually hungry? And a, and a meal tracker or writing down your food, that can actually help. You can write down your drinks too and then look back and say, well, if I ate off of what I felt like I needed for that day, did I drink water? And if I didn't, that could lead back to why I felt like I needed to eat so much more because I really wasn't hungry. I was actually thirsty, but I missed it because I didn't track what I was doing. Are there any other habits that may need adjusting that would come out in that tracking? So that could be things like the accessories in your coffee or your tea. Are you adding too much sugar or too much cream or full fat cream when you can kind of swap that out for something different? Have you tried, you know, drinking your coffee or drinking something black? You know, one of my favorites is lemon loaf. I don't know. I have a thing for lemons. So lemon loaf tea. I think it's Tezo. Lemon loaf flavored tea. Their dessert teas, I truly, it feels like you're eating whatever dessert it's flavored after. So lemon loaf is my favorite. It feels like I'm drinking a slice of lemon. All right, everyone, you know what time it is. It's joke time. Are you ready? I have a good one. <laughs> Why did the grape stop in the middle of the road? Because he ran out of juice. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Before you go, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to this podcast. It helps others who are looking for plant-based tips find us, and it helps us know if we're providing you with the information and the support that you and your family need on this journey. Also, again, take a moment to like us on Facebook at Veg Out Kitchen to stay connected and to keep this conversation going. Join us next time. But until then, go rock some plant-based adventures. See you soon.